aloha and good afternoon or good evening from Maui, Hawaii, where it's actually still morning, a little bit after 10 in uh, Hawaii, and just a shade after 1 o'clock on the west coast of the United States. It's a little after 4 in the east, 20 hours GMT, and an absolute pleasure to be with you today for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School webinar. Today we're going to talk about identity, one of our favorite topics, and uh, not only who are you, but how does one know? And then even if you get a sense of who you are, how do you know that you know? And it occurred to me, although again, this is one of our primary topics in personal and spiritual development, how can you think for yourself if you don't know who you are? And in that hodgepodge, that mixture of thoughts and feelings and feelings and thoughts, well, how do you sort it all out? How would you really get a, a sense of self? You hear programs like Rush Limbaugh and people are proud to be ditto heads. They say with great enthusiasm that uh, I agree with you, Rush, and uh, I haven't had an original thought in my life, and they seem to be rather proud of it. Well, I know we attract <laughs> a very different audience here, and you're not ditto heads, but the good news is that there are some very practical uh, tools and techniques that are that are proven skill sets that uh, we can learn and practice that I will share with you today to help you get a better sense of, of who you are. Um, I think the, uh, the untimely passing of Michael Jackson uh, this week really put this into my head that here's a guy who certainly knows how talented he is, who has always known, um, gave up his childhood to pursue this love, this talent, and paid a dear price for it. So he knows that uh, he's talented, that uh, he's his talents are extraordinary, that he's uh, unique in in many ways, that he's known the world over. He's famous, is well-known in China and Japan and, and Europe and South America and Africa, as he is in the United States. And yet uh, Michael Jackson never really felt comfortable with himself. He did not know himself. He did he did not feel comfortable in his own skin. He kept changing it. He was half black, and uh, with the bleaching and the plastic surgery tending toward white. He was a man born of male gender and yet uh, so effeminate in so many ways. He was this milieu, this, this mixture or blend of identities, uh, a, a man who died at age 50, but never seemed to grow beyond 10 or 12 years old in so many ways. And I guess you've probably seen some of the uh, tributes and uh, and short documentaries and, and treatments on the television news and, and elsewhere on the radio and the Internet uh, since his passing a few days ago. You know what I'm talking about. But I thought that makes for a great opportunity for us to talk about how do we understand ourselves and what can we do to 
get a better sense of who we are. Uh, there's incredible comfort and ease and uh, peace of mind that comes with a sense of who you are and what makes you tick and in what ways are you like other people and in what ways are you very unlike anybody you've ever met or ever will be um, and all of that and again how do we sort it out in the thoughts and the feelings and, and the speech and, and, and our behavior especially that habitual behavior that we don't think twice about some of what we're going to sort out today now I want to remind you that in addition to making text comments at any time uh, by using the uh, fields in the bottom of the web page in front of you, provided you're listening live today, it's the uh, 28th of June, uh, 2009, and if you're with us live today, you'll be able to do that. You can do it now, you can do it later, and we will address the questions that you type in on the web page. But We've also now uh, the ability to unmute callers one at a time. Uh, in the past, in the year and a half we've been doing these classes, uh, we've had callers. We've had the ability for people to call and listen to this program live on the go. Uh, they can uh, hook up their cell phone. and I've had people tell me they listen while they were driving in the car or they put the cell phone on speaker and listen while they were laying on the beach or shopping. Uh, use the Bluetooth headset. It's pretty cool that you can be mobile. Well, the good news is we now have the ability to unmute those calls one at a time, provided you raise your hand. How do you raise your hand? Uh, you do it by hitting star 2. There's actually three commands that you can know about. Um, star six and star seven is to mute and unmute but you don't really have to worry about those because I've got everybody muted out we've always had to mute everybody out you know one barking dog one line full of static sound and uh, you know everybody hears it and then it accumulates and so the problem with these uh, webinars as conference calls is that while you've had feedback via text in the web, we had to mute out all the callers. Well, that's going to change now. We can unmute you one at a time if you raise your hand by pressing star 2. So if at any time during this conference today you want to ask a question, just press star 2 on your not on your computer keypad, but on your telephone keypad. And that will create a, uh, an indicator on my console. And just like a live radio talk show, I can at some point, it may not be right away, I might ignore you for a little while. And if there are several people calling, uh, you might not be the first. Um, we will not screen uh, in advance. So once I answer, you'll be live. And as uh, you might expect, there's also a delay, just like calling a radio talk show. Uh, the delay is about 15 seconds or so. So if you ever listen on the web and the telephone at the same time, you'll notice that delay. 
Also, uh, there are some people that still don't have flat rate long distance yet, and you might be concerned about having to make a long distance telephone call. The number that you see on the web page in front of you, right above the player, is a San Francisco Bay Area telephone number. It's a 415 area code uh, telephone number, and if you have flat rate, it doesn't matter where you're calling. But if you're still paying by the minute, you know, there's a little button right next to that, just to the right of it, that says other numbers. I think that's what it says, something like that. It gives you a, a, a list of phone numbers that you can uh, choose from. And if you go in there, you can find the area code that is yours or near you geographically and make a local call. The secret is that conference ID. It's kind of a pin. And it's that conference ID number followed by the pound sign that plugs you into this particular event, this particular class. So I suspect it's going to take a a while, a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months before people begin to think of this less as the lecture it has been with these typed-in questions and comments that I read, and more as the kind of live radio programs uh, that we've been doing in Los Angeles for 35, 30 or 35 years. Um, and and so we'll just allow for that transition. I, we started this last week, and I don't think anybody called. We had, we had a couple of people, but um, we're going to try it again this week. So, again, you can use the telephone to listen in at any time. And, uh, and again, maybe you just listen on the web, and we get to a point where you do have a question, you might want to call them in any event. It's the asterisk just to the left of the zero. That's the star. And then two, star two, uh, raises your hand. Okay? So we'll see how that works. I'm pretty excited about it. Also, before we get going today, um, let me just introduce my partner and good friend for 30, 35 years, Steve Snyder. Wonder you got a phone there. Why don't you say hi, hey, everybody? And hey, everybody. Good morning. Just uh, emerged from the wonderful Hana Highway, and I'm sort of still meditating on that wonderful drive. You emerged. Yeah. I, well, I sort of go into a cocoon as I go into the Hana Highway. Almost nobody on the highway this early Sunday morning, so it was very, very meditative. Wonderful experience. Well, good. I knew you were coming today, but I didn't know you'd be here in time for the class, so I'm glad you're here. Happy to listen in. And... Um, We'll ask you to comment and add your, I, I keep wanting to say two cents worth, but that's sort of insulting. I don't want <laughs> your $20 what, worth. What with inflation, yeah. $200 worth. <laughs> As I'll give you know. a piece of my mind. There you go. There you go. And I'm sure it'll be worth a lot more than two cents. So, all right. Uh Steve being here reminds me, of course, to mention at the top of the uh, Mystery School webinar that all of this is provided free of charge as a public service of FocusedPassion.com. This is our sister site, and this is really the heart and soul of everything that we're doing now. 
Um, this is a premium audio program that comes off the FocusedPassion.com site. It's a high-quality program. We do it with studio microphones. We pre-record it uh, so you don't have to deal with the fidelity that you're listening to of the phone call. Of course, we can't take questions or comments because it's pre-recorded. That's the nature of uh, most so-called Internet radio and the, uh, the ability to use the telephone to ask a question. These advanced conference call systems are just now coming online. These are brand new systems. So the premium audio program is a little different. So there's a free trial subscription. You get six free programs, including a four-part series. Include the intro. It's five parts. Called the Family Learning Hour, a very cool accelerated learning program that's part of the free trial. So, you know, no credit card is needed if you go to focusedpassion.com. And remember the ED, that's focusedpassion.com. You can just by clicking on the button that says send me the free stuff, get the, uh, the trial subscription and those six free programs. Plus, there's a bunch of excerpts on the page in front of that as you first come into the site that will give you a taste of what Steve and I are doing together. And, uh, again, that's a very high quality in terms of fidelity because we use studio microphones instead of telephones, but also high quality in that there's two of us, uh, you know, who Steve and I have worked together, albeit on and off. Nevertheless, we've known each other since the late 1970s and in the early 80s when I began to invite Steve to be on my radio program he invited me to lecture and teach at his learning center in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard I'm sure some of you remember Live and Learn uh, throughout the 80s in Sherman Oaks and ever since we've done uh, public classes and seminars and workshops. Uh, we've we've also done uh, business trainings for large corporations and small business. And then as I continued to do the radio, Steve went off and became a CEO trainer. And for the last, how long has it been, Steve, that you've done that almost exclusively, the working with CEOs? For tech yeah, close to 17 years. Yeah, close to, yeah, almost two decades. Huh? Yeah, so... Imagine you get the expertise of a journalist and a CEO trainer, uh, both of whom uh, live, eat, and breathe personal empowerment and personal development. So we're very proud of the premium audio program at FocusPassion.com. Again, it's called Finding Yourself in Paradise. We do 52 of these programs a year. And... uh, it's $3.96 a month. If you like the free trial, subscribe for $0.99 cents a week, three ninety six a month. And you can listen with the built-in player on the site or send the feed to your iTunes uh, software, provided you've already got it on your computer. It's a free download if you don't. works on PCs and Macs. And, uh, just go to apple.com slash iTunes if you don't have it very cool way to organize your music, to play all of your music and audiobooks and, and other programs. You can burn CDs 
there are other programs. I've never seen one as sweet as iTunes. So you can send the feed to the iTunes software on your computer or use the RSS reader that's built into your browser. A lot of people have no idea what an RSS reader is, but when you come to our site, you'll see those three options. The built-in player, send the subscription to iTunes or um, to the RSS reader that's built into every browser now. And you can do all three, or any one of the three. And uh, we get wonderful feedback from the program. I'm sure you're going to like it. And because a significant number of you are contributors and supporters and focused passion, that allows us to provide this webinar absolutely free, plus a ton of articles at both websites, Focused Passion and TheAgelessWisdom.com. They have lots and lots of articles. Uh, you just poke around a little bit and, and you'll find them all. So check that out. If you haven't been to FocusedPassion.com, you can do that later today. Let's talk about our uh, topic for the day today, and then, as I say, a little bit into the program. I'll uh, give you the high sign and let you know it's a good time to call and uh, ask your question or just to type into the field that's on the web page in front of you, your comment or your question. Be sure, if you're using the text, to include your name and the city where you are into the appropriate field, and then hit the submit button. I won't see it if you don't hit the submit button. Okay. And then, as we mentioned before, at any time you want to use any one of the phone numbers on the page in front of you, um, you'll be automatically muted out when you call, and then if you want to raise your hand, star two, and we'll try that a little bit later. And hopefully in the coming weeks and months we'll transition from what has been sort of a lecture uh, to more of a live radio talk show as you get used to that participating. Hope you'll tell your friends about that too. Okay, so uh, what is your identity? Well, for most people, identity is, you know, believing what your mom and dad believed. If your uh, parents and the people around you uh, are Republican, you'll probably be a Republican. If they believe in capital punishment, you're probably pro-capital punishment. If your family uh, thinks abortion is always murder, you'll probably be strict on that topic, too. Sometimes we see a phenomena of people going to the extreme. Uh, part of finding a kind of identity is to rebel against your family. And so uh, I remember asking uh, my friends in college, because uh, we were sort of this counterculture that was emerging in the 60s and the 70s, do you think our kids will be part of this counterculture or will they swing to the right? And, uh, of course, both things uh, became true. A lot of the children of hippies are hippies, and uh, many others uh, are very conservative in their belief and voted for George Bush and, and, and are trying to find their, themselves somewhere in the middle. So there is that influence. Uh, I think when we talk about identity, we also have to talk about the appearance of things. Uh, for most people, tragically, identity is how I look uh, in terms of my face, 
Am I pretty enough? Am I handsome enough? Am I uh, tall enough? Uh, do I have six-pack abs? Do I look muscular? You know, um, everybody was talking about uh, Michelle Obama's arms and her sleeveless shirt. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, or the clothes that you wear, right? That's very important still to most people. Uh, you'd think at this point that we'd be beyond that. And clothes ought to be fun and in a way to express your uniqueness and your individuality in, in different situations. But all too often they become uniforms. Um, the power suit, uh, the, the woman dressing for success, and the way men dress, especially in business, is it borders on pathetic. That that you know the charcoal suit. Uh, I suppose you could have a, a pinstripe suit, or a few men have brown suits. But you know the gray suit, the white shirt, the tie with the diagonal stripe is pretty boring. Um, and yet that's been the uniform for a hundred years. I think we're better off than we were when we wore silk stockings and and uh, powdered wigs and funny little shoes with buckles on them, you know, uh, and cod pieces. I mean, we've been sillier in the past, but still a uniform. And uh, you know, before, before moving to Los Angeles, and of course, I've been in Hawaii for a year and a half now, but. Before moving to L.A. in the mid-70s, I was in Detroit for three or four years after college. And you think it's conservative in New York and uh, Chicago and Los Angeles. Uh, in Detroit, uh, because of the influence of the auto executives, those guys could not even wear light blue shirts or striped shirts. They had to wear white shirts. You could... To be an auto executive at any of the big three, you could only wear a white shirt. I mean, again, it is a uniform. It's like, how are you different from the janitor in the jumpsuit if you've got to wear the, or, or a soldier, a military guy, if you've got to wear the same uniform every day? And and the deal with the necktie, you know, to, to start your day by putting a noose around your neck, I, I that that to me again is a little strange, rather bizarre, and the starched collars and all of that. point is, this is not who you are. This is not where your identity is going to be found, not in conformity or being like other people, and certainly not in the appearance of things. You know, 150 years ago, the psychologist, uh, like psychologist, the psychoanalyst, uh, Sigmund Freud, pulled on ancient Greek mythology when he named a personality disorder after Narcissus. And that personality disorder is narcissism. And uh, even today, that term is used, the narcissist or narcissism, to refer to people who suffer from this particular personality disorder, and if you ask most people on the street, what is a narcissist, they'll say, well, that's a guy with an extraordinarily big ego. He's somebody that thinks he's special or superior, uh, or a woman that thinks that they 
extravagance. But, you know, that's not the primary characteristic of the narcissist. Narcissus, in Greek and Roman mythology, was a fellow that fell in love with his appearance as it was reflected in a pool of water. So, in referring to this personality disorder, Freud's talking about the sickness of believing you are who you appear to be. And yet somehow, that message hasn't gotten out. And many people still conform. I mentioned that I was in high school and college in the 60s and 70s. Um, I think we thought it was the 60s until the mid to late 70s. We still thought it was the 60s. And we were known for being nonconformists, right? This emerging counterculture we were into. Uh, we hated conformity. And yet we were conforming in our nonconformity, weren't we? We had the uh, tie-dyed shirts and the bell-bottom jeans, and we wore boots and drove vans and uh, listened to the Grateful Dead. And uh, So in our non-conforming, we were still conforming. There's, there's something about that, that need, that desire to be liked by other people by being like other people that interferes with our attempt to understand ourselves. And where is the call for individuality in our society? Who is saying, you know, you really need to discover your individuality? I did not get that message. Did you? Did you? Maybe you did. I'd, I'd love to know about it. Again, share. Give me a call at the, at the telephone number on the on the page in front of you or Put a little comment in the box below uh, on the website in front of you. We'll go to those in a few minutes. And, and tell me if that was your experience. What what was the breakout for you, if indeed you ever did break out? And um, how did that manifest? In what ways were you looking to express your individuality? We tend to repress and a great deal of our stress and anxiety in life comes not so much from what's been put upon us as just our unwillingness to be real, to be natural and upfront, and to express the truth of who we are in speech, in song, in dance, in our poetry, in the clothes that you wear and the reason you choose the clothes that you wear and uh, that's repressed again the, this need to conform to be like other people we believe to increase the likelihood that we will then be liked by other people and then everything will be okay I've seen very smart people play stupid so that they will be liked by other people because they are like other people. You know, the, the A student sticks out and the, and the F student sticks out and um, I think there's a Lennon line uh, Steve, you're good at these quotes about 
hating a genius and despising They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool. Say it again a little louder. They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool. Is that Leonard or Dylan? That's, that's Leonard. Here's, D- Dylan said, I'm trying my best to be what I am, but everybody wants me to be just like them. <laughs> and Ian Anderson said, we're geared toward the average rather than the exceptional. There's three good ones for you. What's your take on this stuff? On the, on the tendency to repress our individuality to conform, even though part of us is rebelling. Uh, I think good parenting in early childhood allows this expression of individuality and uniqueness and creativity. And then, of course, we come face first into the brick wall called school, and we're told to stand in line and follow directions and do what everybody else does and don't be different, and there's only one right answer, and don't draw outside the lines. And, you know, I could rant and rave, but I think creativity gets destroyed by the conformity of what school is. Now, not what education could be, but what school is. Well, this is our this is our premise for the day today, and the good news is that there are tools and there are skills, and I'd like to talk about them briefly here. And and it gets a little difficult because there's a couple of levels, at least. I did a program on this a few weeks ago, only. I didn't frame it as being about identity at the time. I was talking about stages of consciousness. But we have a similar uh, situation, a kind of a a three-tier approach to identity. Uh, The first one is the one we've been talking about, the appearance of of things, how you dress, how you talk, um, what your priorities and values happen to be. And then there comes in the lives of a few people, and the people listening to this program right now, live or in replay, you're very likely to be among this group of people who have discovered by taking responsibility for your emotional nature that feelings are not done to you but come from you. That in response to stimulus, to what's said to you or done to you or the situation you find yourself in, emotions are evoked, and that emotional feelings are the essence of subjectivity, that you can think like pretty much anybody else, and those thoughts can be right or wrong. You've taken tests, and you know that you thought in some cases that you had the right answer when in fact your thoughts were wrong. Feelings, on the other hand, are very unique. You can feel somewhat like other people. Um, You can have similar feelings in similar situations. But ultimately, this is where uniqueness is found, not so much in what you think of yourself, but in how you feel about all things, that your sense of self is much more likely to be reflected in the emotions that are evoked from you than your thoughts. Now, thoughts are often critical, destructive, self-loathing. When we, when we turn the objective sense of thinking to the self, it takes us apart too. That's what thoughts do. Rational thinking is deductive. It it takes apart a problem to understand it. Turn your mental attention, your thoughts, to yourself, and they will take you apart 
as well. So we have this backup intelligence, this EQ that's different from IQ and reflects very deeply, very intimately, very personally a sense of uniqueness, except most people play victim to those emotions and just never, for whatever reason, develop the sophistication to understand that an emotion is not done to you, but in response to various stimulus is evoked from you. And there's a very personal expression of who you are. That's why music and art, singing and dancing and performing and speaking, orating and poetry and, and all of this is so wonderful because it's an opportunity to express that uniqueness and, and that which is not, as I said before, expressed tends to be repressed and cause all kinds of problems with stress and anxiety. We have a need to express ourselves. You, you're not going to be healthy, you're not going to be happy if you're not expressing through song, through dance, through speaking, through uh, being a craftsperson, making something with your hands writing, um, speaking, listening. Uh, there has to be expression of who you are. Yes, even in listening. and uh, The way you listen, uh, your motive for listening, and the way you finally respond. All of this interaction is necessary to a deeper understanding of who you are. So, for most of us, the big leap that Michael Jackson never made and I think, you know, to varying degrees, most people never really understand is that you are less what you think of yourself than how you feel. That how you feel generally and in different situations says much more about your uniqueness and your individuality, your diversity, uh, than anything that you think uh, or otherwise believe. This is one of the great ironies. I, I, I have a, a greeting card uh, that I've kept that says, Congratulations, you are a diverse human being, unique just like everybody else. And you open it up and it says, just like everybody else. It is bizarre, you know. The one thing we all have in common is that, you know, we're all unique. The universe, we're in a universe that won't even replicate snowflakes or grains of sand. Every blade of grass is a slightly different shade of green. Uh, this universe bends over backwards to avoid duplication and cloning. It, 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 the universe, the, the, the single verse, the one verse, the universe, has to, it seems, express itself through diversity. That suggests that the meaning of your life, and if you will, your purpose for being, is to express that uniqueness. And what is the point of even living a life that is spent trying to be like other people in order to be liked by other people? If in so doing, we ignore and deny our very uniqueness. What's the problem? It can be lonely 
it can be very, very lonely if you go to the opposite extreme. To look at your uniqueness, to feel like uh, who was my, my hero in all of this as a kid was Holden Caulfield in Catcher in the Rye. Uh, uh, Salinger's book, Catcher in the Rye. When I read that, I thought, oh, my, I mean, it like saved my life because I knew I was weird or strange uh, in that if you would have asked me then, I would have lied about it, but if you could have somehow seen inside my brain, I was certain that I was crazy, that the thoughts I was having at 12 and 14 and 16 were not thoughts that anybody else was having, and they carried with them emotional affect that surely nobody around me felt the way I felt, let alone thought what I thought, and I was very guarded in my expression of those things because, again, I knew I was just—I was just crazy. I, I knew I could fake it. I knew I could pretend, you know, and, and put on a front and be what other people wanted me to be, please my parents and and, and please my teachers and please my friends. And most of us grow up to be codependent people pleasers. There's some benefit that comes from that, but at the end of the day, that can be pretty lonely also because, again, you're denying the essence, the truth of who you really are. When I read Catcher in the Rye, I thought, well, this guy's as crazy as I am, you know, wearing his hat backwards and, and a goofy hat at that and sort of making fun of, you know, the people on the bus. And, and I realized this guy's as crazy as I am and... and and some adult named J.D. Salinger wrote the thing, so he's got to be as crazy as I am. And and yet here's he's this eminent author, and boy, that was that was a lifesaver for me. That was my introduction. Reading that book at I don't know 13 or 14 years of age, uh, and realizing it was okay to be strange. And then Jim Morrison and the Doors came along and said, people are strange. And then the 60s, and you know, we sort of reveled in our strangeness. So the first stage of finding your identity, I think, is shifting from thoughts to feelings and finding the, again, the essence of subjectivity of who you really are more in your emotional nature. But, of course, there's nothing in school that encourages this, is there? In school, you're taught to honor your thoughts, but not your feelings. Your feelings are dismissed and discounted. And school is about learning about everything outside of you, but not learning about anything inside you. And maybe you did take a psychology class and you read a book about running rats through a maze. Or, um, you know monkeys with uh, terry cloth mothers and all these strange behavioral things that didn't really tell you anything about uh, who you are. And then there's the abnormal psychology, of course, mental illness and retardation and very little study of, of what's happening now in transpersonal psychology. Looking at the Stephen I've done for decades, uh, the healthy, happy, well-adjusted people to find out what they're doing right. That's that's relatively new in psychology. 
And then there is a second stage beyond an emotional understanding. This is a great beginning. I mean, if you if you went no farther, you'd be doing better than most people to take responsibility for your feelings and to understand that they are reflections of your uniqueness. You know, if Michael Jackson had had this training, uh, exposure to the idea that his emotions were his and and, and taught to develop his intuition. I understand he worked for 15 years with Deepak Chopra, um, and he went to Dr. Chopra to to learn to meditate. He hired Deepak Chopra to teach him to meditate, but it wasn't long before he was asking Dr. Chopra for drugs and scripts for painkillers and such. Well. So that, that deadens the physical pain, but it, and it also deadens the emotional ache and, and, and pain of not knowing who you are. But, of course, it interferes with allowing yourself to feel the feelings that you need to feel to better understand who you are. So what a great irony, you see. The next stage of knowing yourself to go even beyond the emotional uh, subjectivity, the, the the identity that's bound up in your in your emotional feelings, is to become mindfully aware that not only are you not your thoughts, you're not even your positive thoughts. You're also ultimately not really your feelings either. But you have to go through that stage to get to the mindful awareness that you are. The awareness, you are the the consciousness, uh, of the awareness of your uh, thoughts and feelings that you can choose, that you can weigh, that you can measure, but we can detach, we can let go of the tendency that the ego has to grab and hold and pull and clutch and let go, the higher self, the true self, is a radiant magnetic being that doesn't have to hold anything. You don't have to hold love. You don't have to hold on to consciousness. You don't have to hold or clutch or embrace the awareness of who you are, for ultimately it's so much who you are that it's everywhere equally present. I don't know that there is a shortcut to this kind of mindfulness. I believe you have to go from being mentally intelligent to using that mental intelligence to discern what your emotional feelings tell you about you in order to get to the stage of being mindfully detached and saying, well, for a while I thought I was a positive thinker and then I realized I was really more my emotional feelings than than my goals and aspirations and dreams and now I understand I'm not my thoughts or my feelings but I am a unique individual that is experiencing thoughts and feelings and that I am the the consciousness or the awareness uh, behind or above those thoughts in those feelings and that I can not only change my behavior and 
change the way I talk. I can change my mind. I can change my feelings. Notice that's not a figure of speech. You change the way you talk. Change your behavior as a figure of speech. I changed my mind, figure of speech. I changed my feelings. You get funny looks. So people haven't got to that point yet, right? And uh, by and large. And yet there's another stage beyond that, which is, and, and we use the words consciousness and awareness uh, pretty interchangeably. I think in Eastern mysticism, awareness is rather universal and consciousness is sort of uh, a personal perspective, if you will. Um, consciousness being a subset of awareness, but you know, for us as beginners, we'll just say it all means being awake. And, and awake enough to understand that you are this unique being that is also part of the one life, the all that is. And that's a lifelong paradox. To find the point of management, the point of awareness between being at once unique and diverse and yet part of this one life, this universe, this all that is, it's, you know, the, most people want to know, well, which is it? Am I this unique individual or am I part of God? Well, how about both of those things? In mysticism, the definition of the absolute, which is what religious people call God, is that it is both transcendent and imminent. In other words, everything is in the one the all that is, or the one life, the one thing, the one God, as a container, right? As a absolutely inclusive totality would be God transcendent. God imminent is the complement, not the opposite so much as the complement, which is the one is in every thing, seemingly separated thing, and no particle. No subatomic particle, no quantum bit is too small to exclude the presence of this totality, this oneness. So everything is in the one, and the one is in everything, seem to be contradictory. They are indeed paradoxical. And then to put, to, to put yourself in the middle of that and say, well, both things are true. And I exist both as the Son of God and the Son of Man, right? I exist both as a spiritual being and a human being. And I'm part of the spiritual oneness, but also part of the material diversity of this world. That's the challenge for the enlightened student, is to deal with that paradox, that dynamic paradox. Because not, it's not even the 50-yard line. It, it moves all over the place. It's a, it's a dynamic paradox where one minute you're more separated than you were <laughs> and they feel very alone and another minute you feel uh, very unified and very harmonized and cohesive and, and a part of the one life. And, and 
like all things cyclic, there is an in-breath and an out-breath and a yin and a yang to, to being in that middle. So I think we need to look at the stages of identity, okay? Starting with the appearance of things, that's where most people are at. Wanting to be like other people in order to be liked by other people. You'll make a big leap when you begin to develop your intuition in states of relaxation and allow awareness to dawn upon you as you take responsibility for the way you feel. Somebody may have stimulated that feeling, but it still came from you, and it's intimate, and it reveals you. We know this about physical pain. You know, somebody could hit you over the head with a baseball bat, but the pain is about your head, not the baseball bat. So when somebody breaks your heart, why do you try to figure them out? It's your heart that's broken. It's you that hurts. It's about you. That's a big leap forward. And then to consider that there's another leap beyond that of mindfulness, of detachment, to be this witness or this observer of your thoughts and feelings. And realize that consciousness or awareness is magnetic. You're attracting or magnetizing these particular thoughts and belief systems. You're attracting magnetically these circumstances and situations and, and emotional feelings they're real enough right but uh, you're beyond that and then after that second stage you have the rest of this life and who knows what follows to deal with that a paradox that model of reality finding yourself betwixt and between dynamically being separate and diverse and unique uh, an expression of the one life and at the same time being inalienable that's what it says in our constitution it's a good word unalienable or inalienable means you cannot be separated from your source you cannot be alienated from the source of life, and both things are true. It's like philosophy 101. To look at paradox and to realize that there's more than either or. There's more than this or that. There's more than the poles of things. All right. Having said that, let's go to your questions and your comments. And again, I know you're used to using the text on the web page in front of you, so if you just want to say hi, uh, or if you have a question or a comment, type it into the appropriate field on the web page in front of you. Include your name and your city so we know where you are and who you are, at least your first name, in the appropriate boxes, and then be sure to hit the submit button. Or if you'd prefer, and I'd love to have some callers here and test out this new system, just as if it were a radio talk show, we'll open up the telephones. And whether you've been listening all along or whether you'd like to pick up the phone now and call, the number is on the screen in front of you, provided you're listening live to us today. We're in replay. There's 
not much you can do but sit back and enjoy the program. But if you're listening live with us today on the, uh, what is it, the 28th day of June, 2009, then uh, use the telephone number on the screen in front of you and then carefully enter the conference ID. If you're worried about long-distance charges, there's another little link you can click on that says Other Numbers. Click on that and use any one of those. And uh, find that area code close to you if you're concerned with toll calls. And then uh, use that conference ID so you come into this teleconference, this class, this particular event. And if you have a question or a comment, press star 2 on the keypad and that'll uh, raise your hand. So, oh, let's see. Let me click the right button here and get auto-refresh going in here. And uh, we have a couple of people calling in, so I'm going to come back and take a look at that in a minute. Let me go to this other screen, and we'll look at the questions that are being typed in today. I have to get a new mouse scroll wheel on my mouse isn't working. It works down, but not, it works up, but not down. So let's see who we have today who wants to say hi anyway. With us as always, I don't think she's missed one of these programs yet, from La Habra, Carol Pastel. And hello, Carol. She says hi again. Aloha, Michael and Marie. Nice to hear from you, Carol. Thank you. In Amsterdam, all the way to the other side of the world. Amsterdam, I think, is 11 hours from us, so almost the opposite side of the world. Dr. Kev is with us and uh, says he's getting his mic plugged in, so maybe Kev can give us a call today. And uh, that would be nice to hear from Amsterdam. Tucson, Arizona, Lorelei Hatch is with us, says, Aloha, Michael, great class. I've been sending your link to my friends and family, and I'm getting a bunch of emails of appreciation thanking me for turning them on to your web teleconference and your websites. The best part is I'm reconnecting with people I haven't talked to in years. Not only is your class a great why to enlighten your friends and family, it's also a great way to reconnect with people. Thanks, Michael. Happy Fourth of July in advance. And love to you and Doreen. Well, thank you, Lorelei. That's very sweet. And uh, that's been my experience, too. Uh, I like to send greeting cards. I like to send emails. I like to pick up the telephone and call people I haven't seen in years. I'm just one of those guys. And I don't do it nearly enough because don't we all get busy, but... I have a few friends that really appreciate that. It's like, man, thanks for calling. Every once in a while I hear from somebody that's, or, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll send them a card or I'll send them an email or call them on the phone, and it's like, whoa, what do you want, you know, trying to sell me some Amway soap or something here. And they're suspicious that I would just want to <laughs> hook up again. Uh, well, I think Lorelei is right. A great reason to contact your friends is to forward these programs and the premium audio shows that Steve and I do at FocusedPassion.com. Even those are, even though the Finding Yourself in Paradise program 
at FocusedPassion.com. This is a premium audio program. Um, it doesn't cost you a thing to forward those shows to as many people as you want, as long as you want. So you can do that with both programs on both sites. And I think you'll find, as Lorelei has, that people really appreciate that. I mean, don't you know a lot of folks that are looking for this kind of information? And this is, isn't that a win-win? It helps them. It, it helps you. It helps us. You know, this is good news. We're not. We we don't have any clubs or religions or cults. We have nothing for you to join. You don't have to. There's no gurus here. We got a CEO trainer and a journalist. And it's, you know, we spend our lives looking at all these different disciplines. And where do you see where we're going to go in the future with this program? We're going to be even more inclusive and bring on even more resources for you. So, thanks, Lorelai. I think that's great. Here we have uh, from Los Osos, California. Osos, Los Osos. That's up by um, um, San Luis Obispo, I think. Right near San Luis. By Slowtown, they call it up there. Yeah. Philip, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Colaprete? Colaprete? He says, hi, first time online to listen. I get your podcasts. I appreciate who you are and enjoy listening to you. I learn and uh, and grow a lot listening to your shows. First heard you on KPFK and look forward to your Friday shows. I was a radio host at KCSB in Santa Barbara. 91.9 for 17 years as a volunteer DJ doing a progressive rock show called Eclectic Passages. Enjoy your work and thank you. Well, thank you, Philip. My goodness. That's uh, great to hear from you, man. And one of my favorite towns is Santa Barbara. I had a friend that uh, did some radio up there at uh, K-Tide. This is a great radio station. Check out the telephones in a minute. There's still time for you to call if you want to call in on the phone. We'll go over there in just a minute. Um, Let's see. Robert Teagle in Irvine says, Aloha, Michael. Funny thing, last week I was, uh, while I was telling a friend on the phone about how Ed and Farah had passed, Ed McMahon and Farah Fawcett, and he was saying, I wonder who will be, be number three. Robert's talking about that old saw that celebrities die in trinities. Seems celebrities always go in threes. And uh, he said, uh, so as I was saying that, uh, Huffington Post was on my computer, and there it is on the opening page. Michael Jackson has died. That makes three. Peace rules. Thank you, Robert. And uh, it is tragic, this death. I mentioned earlier in the program the death of Michael Jackson. We have in Oceanside, California, Larry, the new Renaissance man, he calls himself. Hello, Larry. He says, hi, Michael. Seems that we all invent ourselves or our identity in one way or another. In a sense, we all struggle with what I call those unanswerable questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? There have been interesting genetic studies about the God gene. Our evolution of thought has become so complex that we now have the ability to struggle with these questions. 
The idea behind this evolution of thought is that we've developed the ability to create beliefs and follow faith in things unknown or unknowable. In this way, we've created a, a coping mechanism of imaginary knowledge that satisfies those unanswerable questions. In some way, aren't we better off accepting the unknown rather than creating imaginary answers? Einstein said the most beautiful thing we can experience is mysterious. It is the source of all true art and all science. He to whom this emotion is a stranger can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe. He is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. Close quote. That is Einstein. That's a great uh, quotation uh, by Einstein. And then uh, Larry continues, however, that being said, I do think it's the search for knowledge and identity that helps us become better people. So I keep on searching and listening. Well, I, I guess I feel the same way as you, which is that <clears throat> ultimately you could argue easily that these questions are unanswerable, but all the more reason to keep asking them. You know, because a question may be ultimately unanswerable would not be a good reason to stop asking the question. Or even if you get a different answer, because who I am emerges and evolves and grows, um, you have to keep asking, I think, to great unanswerable questions. And you may never get a definitive answer, but I think there is some cumulative progress in the process of asking the question, starting with who am I, and then what do I want, or what am I for, and then how do I go about doing that? I think that's the trinity. There's different ways to ask it, as, uh, as Larry has said here. But uh, I, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? You know, just variations on the theme. It's basically, who am I? What am I for? Or what do I want? Why am I? Meaning and purpose. Right? And sometimes those are conflated and sometimes say, no, meaning is personal and purpose is universal. Well, okay, whatever. But, um, my goodness, at least ask the question again and again. And don't be surprised if you come up with an evolving, unfolding answer or a set of answers to those questions. Again, I, I, I would argue that you go from thought to feeling and then to mindfulness in that order. And take your time doing that. Uh, Dr. Kemp jumps in again, trying to be different just like everybody else. Yep, that's the, that's the irony. In Honolulu, our friend Bert says, um, Aloha, greetings from Oahu, Thanks for today's topic. I'd like to share a perspective on conformity and uniqueness. He said, uh, he's, he's, he's quoting Groucho Marx. I'd never join a club that would have the likes of me as a member. Groucho Marx. Keep up the good word, Michael. All the best to you and Doreen. Aloha, Bert. Well, thank you, Bert. Um, <laughs> where's Groucho Marx when we need him, huh? Jacob Martin is with us from the British Isles, somewhere in the United Kingdom, in England. Hello, Jacob. Nice to hear from you again. He says, greetings and aloha and take care. 
and in Apple Valley, Don is with us today from uh, High Desert, north of uh, San Bernu. Don says, it seems at times I move between feeling incredibly grateful for having been included in the the miracle, I guess. I thought this was a, he says, iMiracle, it's a typo. I thought maybe it was like an iPod or iTunes, iMiracle of the infinite. Um, and at other times, feeling somewhat terrified and thinking that I'm getting it wrong. Boy, I know the feeling, yeah. That's just you. Uh, you know, you're different. And that we feel wrong sometimes about being different is a common experience, especially when we first start that lonely path, that search. Don goes on to say, I find comfort in the metaphor that you've used, speaking about me, uh, in the past about uh, you're flying with a net. And thanks again for the great class. The topic always seems to come at just the right time. Yeah, the game is rigged. I think you are uh, flying with the net. Okay, so I have a couple of hands up. Let's go to the telephones and see how this works. And I'm going to start. I uh, don't have names here, but I know this one is in Anaheim, so we'll start with that. And uh, hello, you're on with Michael Benner on the Mystery School. Who's this? Uh, let's see. Did I press the wrong button? Not hearing anybody there. Let's try. This hand is raised, but it's not. Maybe I should push here. Hi, you're on uh, with Michael Benner on the Mystery School. Who's this? Well, I don't think it's any big mystery. It's a mystery to me. Who is this? It's Dr. Kevin. Oh, it's is Kev. Hi, Kev. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for calling from Amsterdam. You're the first person on my new unmute them one at a time deal. How have you been? Well, we're hanging in here, making progress. Good. It's it's um, It's been a lot of years since I've seen you, but... Uh, We've certainly kept in touch over the years. You have over the years, so thank you very much for calling. Uh, do you have any question or comment on our uh, topic today, the idea of identity? Well, I was thinking about me as far as, you know, clothing goes. I sort of just ended up with blue jeans, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And... uh not because I necessarily identify with it, but just because it's, I don't know, nondescript, I think. It doesn't really make much of a statement, even though it does. You know, you can't help but make some kind of statement. Um, yeah, one way or the other, you, whatever you wear, you're going to make some sort of statement. Blue jeans are ubiquitous. People love them. People also tend to stick with something they related to when they were teenagers as far as their choice of music and clothing and whatnot. Yeah. If you see somebody that's our age trying to look like they're, you know, 20, it's always looked funny, right? <laughs> no matter what era you're in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, 
when I was, need the long hair and the uh, my hair is probably longer now than at any time in my life. And uh, my other friends go the other way. Steve keeps his nice and short. I like to let it go and grow. And I haven't had mine short since about 1972. You I was just you have very long hair, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to exactly say about long hair that I remember almost, you know, week or month after the Vietnam War ended in Huntington Beach where you know, there's people walking around looking like hippies all the time. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden there's a bunch of, like, clean-cut kids riding around in a convertible. And, you know, I'm walking down the street and they're, like, yelling at me some, you know, like, hippies or, you know, old-fashioned, you know get a job, get a haircut, this kind of stuff. I never got any of that kind of stuff, you know, living where I was during the war, but after the war was over, there was some kind of like, I don't know, just change that happened, right? Everybody was supposed to like pack it in and give it up and go, you know, like invest in the stock market or something. Yeah, give it all up, give up that counterculture. That The so-called counterculture from my point of view it's 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 complex but i've never been able to shake it i've never had the desire to shake it and if you call me a hippie okay then i've always been a hippie i guess i'll i always will be a hippie i know i've I've never understood why bleeding heart liberal was a bad thing for example why would it be bad that i'm that i have a bleeding heart that i'm compassionate and and that i hope freeze you know, I, 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 never got, <laughs> I never got the negative, the downside of being a tree hugger or a bleeding heart. That always seems cool to me and, and real. Especially when it's people who call themselves Christians or criticizing you for being a liberal bleeding heart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's not God's life support system. <laughs> hey, buddy, thanks for calling and being our first caller on this new system. I appreciate it. Wow. Okay, thanks a lot, man. Check you out. Yeah, I'm glad I got in. You still doing the yoga classes in Amsterdam? Yeah, we're doing that and trying to get this practice going. And I'm actually uh, yogaclass.com. Yogaclass.com. I also say hi to Darlene and say hi to that person in La Habra because that's where I'm from originally. <laughs> And I know somebody named Simone, and I don't know if it's the same one that's in Vegas or not, but I haven't got in touch with him. That's Greg Simone. Oh, well, there you go. That's probably him. Good, yeah. He, he used to be in Southern California, so. Yeah. It is a small, small world. Um, if we're talking about the same Greg Simone, he was a student of mine for a long time. Hmm. Well, it may or may not be the same person. I'm not sure. Okay, well, um, thanks for calling. All right, you know. Appreciate it. Later. Right. No, I'm not sure how to Love you. Say hi to I will. Thank you. Okay, so that's the button we pushed, the mute button there. So I have other callers, but that's the only one with their hand raised. So um, this other caller, this is the Anaheim caller I tried to unmute before. Let's Let's try this again. 
person calling in Anaheim, the 287, I don't want to give your number on the air. <laughs> Who is this? You're with Michael Benner of the Mystery School. Hi, Michael. It's Carol. Oh, it's Carol. Did you hear Kevin just say hello to you? Because I did. Yes, I did. He's from La Habra, too. Oh, good. And hi, Steve, too. It says on my screen that you're actually in Anaheim, but I don't know. Well, that's the phone number. The number is an Anaheim number. Oh, I see. You know, it's my cell phone, so you get to pick. (laughs) So this is pretty cool. It's like a radio talk show, huh? Right. Yeah. So I think it's going to take a little time for us to transition over. You know, most people participating are used to just sitting back and listening to a lecture. Um, Right. And then as many people did, typing in on the web page. We'll always continue to do that, but I'm excited that we have this little upgrade. This is a brand-new system on the Internet. It's just started. I've seen one other like it that is in beta testing, but this has never been possible with conference calls in the past to unmute just one at a time. That's cool. It is new technology. Michael, did you see – oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, did you see the movie Revolutionary Road? Yes, just the other day. Yeah, Uh, me too. And I noticed it was – I guess it was in the 50s that it was the setting for it, and they showed all the men on the train in their their uniform, so to speak, with their suits and ties and hats. Right. And I thought, Ben, why did we lose the hats and keep the ties? (laughs) I think it's the other way around. Fedoras are coming back. Yeah, well, hats would look kind of cool, but what is more sillier than a, a tie? And you'd think, you know, the conservatives would not choose that as part of their uniform, but they do. Yeah, I don't know. It seems seems to me like a conservative thing to, to start the day with a noose around your neck. But well, that's true. Yeah. So you and that whole glad. movie was well, that whole movie was kind of on your topic too of breaking out as a of the comfort zone and finding the purpose and, and the following the dream or staying in that cookie-cutter place of the corporate world. That's exactly it. They were rebelling against being in the suburbs, and suburbia was just starting to happen in the in the 1950s, and they were fed up with it. I thought it was a really good film. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Revolutionary Road. Is that the name of it? Yes, and Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio. Leo DiCaprio, yeah, they were great together. Good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Good. We'll mm-hmm. recommend that. So, go to Netflix. Okay. Did you yes. read a, Did you run it on Netflix or Netflix? Netflix? Um, Netflix is my new favorite thing. Yeah, it is cool. That's I like where it. We got yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Okay, Carol. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Michael. Bye bye. Bye bye. And then we just hang up on Carol that way. We got a radio talk show. Look at that. So cool. Um, I want to do a guided imagery exercise because we usually do that at the end. I want to remind you all that this program is uh, recorded and podcast as well as uh, posted for replay on the website, theagelesswisdom.com. Let's see if we have anybody else. You know, I have a thought I'd like to throw in here. Yeah, sure, by all means. Um, one of the earliest dawning of awarenesses that I had was when I noticed that 
I, I recognized I wasn't my thoughts, and I was becoming aware of my feelings. But then I noticed that my thoughts were taking my feelings, all my positive ones, and amplifying them, and all my negative ones, and diminishing them. And so I realized I must have stepped out of my thoughts to notice what my thoughts were doing to my feelings. So your feelings are right, but your thoughts about your feelings can get you all messed up. Because a negative person will take all the positive thoughts and diminish them and take all the negative thoughts and amplify them, and a, and a positive thinker will take all the negative thoughts and diminish them. So be careful. I was being over-optimistic, and my autopilot was, like, diminishing negative thoughts and feelings, so I wasn't learning enough from them. And so I needed to recognize that I need to stop diminishing my negative thoughts and feelings, especially the first time I experienced them, and allow myself to really feel those negative thoughts and feelings. And, and that, I think, when you can see, be aware of the fact that your thoughts are affecting your feelings, you're now conscious. That was my, one of my earliest signs of being awake. I think that's a great point, Steve. I'm glad you mentioned it because it is, our tendency is to think about our emotional feelings. Like, what does this mean? If we're going to discern an emotion, we're going to think about it. But it's possible to feel a feeling without thinking about it. And one of the exercises, we won't be able to do it here, but one of the exercises I recommend to my private clients is to listen to music that ha that does not have lyrics. Because if the music has lyrics, then you're going to think about the lyrics. But if you listen to music without lyrics, you still might think about the music, you know, like, oh, that, I would have, I would have done that differently, or, oh, why are they doing that? But here comes that, that, that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See if they come around again. But it is possible to allow the music to have its way with you, to kind of wash over you and do you, you know. Yeah. And to surrender to that. And it's a wonderful exercise for developing mindfulness and the ability to observe without any kind of reaction or response. Works great with nature sounds, too. Sitting on the edge of the cliff listening to the waves crashing is another wonderful experience where you get to do that exact same thing. Or watching clouds yeah. float or the trees yeah. go back and forth, the wind and the willows, all of that. Uh, by the way, a couple of people just posted... Um, little notes to me saying that uh, Kev was uh, louder than my voice. A um, couple of reasons for that. I'm using a noise-canceling microphone, and I've never really been able to find a better mic than I have. So I could probably talk like this <laughs> and get more volume on me, but I can't do that for an hour and a half. I do have volume control on the caller, though, and I think what I did was turn Kev up a little too loud, uh, goofing around with that. So that's good feedback, and uh, in the future I'll leave it on normal and see if we get better uh, EQ on this. Okay. Some people have complained since the beginning that the overall volume level on this webinar is too low, and all I can tell you is if you're listening on a laptop or even a desktop where the volume seems too low, get a set of powered speakers. You know, I, you know, I've got a set of powered speakers I paid a lot of money for, but I also have this other set I got, like, at Office Max for $15. And it just plugs into the headphone output of your computer, 
into your sound card, and then you plug the power into the wall, and uh, for as little as uh, 15 or 20 bucks, you can get some powered speakers, and you'll get much more gain uh, or level uh, out of the feed if you do that. Okay, so just a thought on that. Okay, it's almost half past, so I want to do a uh, guided imagery exercise, and then we'll let you go for the day today and uh, talk to you next week. Um, tell your friends, by the way, they can uh, sign up for the newsletter. If you're not getting the newsletter, you can sign up for the newsletter at theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E, theagelesswisdom.com. And the splash page has a big button on it for the newsletter. And uh, we'll be sure you get that, usually on Friday. All right. You can always email me at my initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Or you can write to me at newsletter at focusedpassion.com. Just newsletter at focusedpassion.com. So, Get comfortable as long as you're not driving the car or, uh, you know, operating heavy equipment, uh, chainsaws or something. Put those down, set them aside, and uh, if this is a good time for you, close your eyes, get comfortable, and uh, take a nice, slow, deep breath, and as you exhale, begin to relax, ah, create and sense a feeling of relaxation. And take another slow, deep breath, as slow as you can, inhaling through your nose. Hold as you peak. And now exhale slowly as well. Ah, feel the letting go. And maybe three or four slow, deep breaths to get you going before you Turn your breathing over to autopilot. And place your attention on the bottom of your nose and spend a few moments now simply watching the breath. As you might observe the waves rolling in on the beach. Sitting in the beach chair, you could sit there and watch the waves roll in and crash on the beach and then be drained down the beach back into the ocean just as another wave rolls in. You could be interested in that for a long time. Imagine just three to five minutes of being interested in watching your breath, not as the one breathing so much, but is the one who watches your body breathe itself. And create and sense throughout your body a letting go, a feeling of being really safe and relaxed, of being open and receptive, like a very sensitive radio that is able to receive not only strong, but even very faint signals from far away. If you were very sensitive and 
and well calibrated, you could receive a feeling in your body. Go to the center of your body, in the area of your navel, or maybe a little higher, somewhere between the base of the spine and the heart, somewhere in your belly. Go there with your awareness and watch your breathing, the gentle automatic rise and fall of your tummy as your body breathes itself, feeling even safer and more relaxed, feeling even more receptive. Then ask yourself a simple question. When it comes to understanding my uniqueness, to really understanding myself, and what make well what makes me tick? Whenever I turn my attention to these wonderfully relaxed states, to an awareness of who I am really, truly as a unique individual. One thing I always know, one thing that is really clear to me about myself is that, and wait for an awareness. Relaxed and receptive, forming gently an intention to better understand myself. One thing I know for sure is and take that single bit of information and hold it gently in your hand. You don't have to grab it. You don't have to squeeze it. You don't have to hold on tightly. Just imagine carrying it gently in the palm of your hand as you return in a few moments now. Take your time. As you return to the waking state. That one little insight. In fact, let's do it again. when I'm feeling really safe and relaxed, really sensitive and receptive, one thing I know about myself that's really true for sure is that and bring that awareness that just revealed itself with you back to the waking state gently hold it gently 
as you reorient yourself to the sound of my voice and remember the room in which you sit. And take a nice, slow, deep breath now, breathing in again, a big, full breath. Hold, and as you exhale, ah, open your eyes now, wide awake and alert, rested and refreshed back in the room with a clear memory of one thing I know about myself. And then consider like the shampoo bottle, you know, where it says lather, rinse, repeat. Saw a comedian say, when do you stop? Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Meditation, repeat it. Do it again. Go back tomorrow, every day. Take one minute or two. You don't have to meditate for an hour. Ten minutes is wonderful. Fifteen minutes is great. But if you only had three or four minutes, close your eyes and say, one thing I know about myself is, and in that safe and relaxed state, let something bubble up. It will, you know, like like those little fine bubbles in the champagne that effervesce. Let it bubble up into your awareness. One thing I know about myself is, and start a collection. And let me know what you think. Shoot me an email and join us next week. We have a different theme in our Sunday Mystery School every week. And again, thanks to Kevin Carroll for helping us with the telephone thing. Increasingly, we're going to do that. So you'll be able to listen to the class on the web and or on the phone and participate now on the web and on the telephone. I think increasingly it will be more and more like a radio talk show. So thanks to you for calling and listening, whether you are on the web or on the telephone. And use the Send One to a Friend gadget at the archive site. It's under Web Teleconference at theagelesswisdom.com. And, of course, remember to visit focusedpassion.com. Focused with an ED, focusedpassion.com. And if you haven't already, click that button that says send me the free stuff. Listen to the excerpts on the splash page. Get those six free programs. Get that accelerated learning program, all four of those. And give them to your kids, for goodness sakes. Give them to your friends' kids. Give them to other people you know at any age or still in school or students or lifelong learners. These are the how-to-learn tools that we've all been looking for. They're available free. We call it the Family Learning Hour. You'll see all four parts. When you click on, just send me the free stuff. All right. And if you like these programs half as much as we think you will, you'll come back and subscribe for just 99 cents as a contributor. Listen on the site or send the feed to your iTunes software on the computer or use the reader in your browser. Three ways to listen to these premium audio programs, studio quality programs Steve and I do every week, compelling conversations and guided meditations. The best of what we're doing at FocusedPassion.com. Thanks a lot for being with us. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Thanks to Steve for being with us today. And I think we're going to get busy and record some podcasts this afternoon. So 
looking forward to that. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner, and aloha from Maui, Hawaii.